We're here with the KM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGI Radio. Michael Hare, DetroitLions.com. As we wind down the Lions season into these next two games. Well, one game, one week. Recap last week. Go forward this week. Hello, Mike. Back and forth. Let's do it. Uh, well, before we get to that, do you know we're doing this podcast on the 5th of January? Yes, I do. Do you know what happened 30 years ago today? Yes, I do. What happened? 38-6 win for the Detroit Lions over the Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs at the old Pontiac Silverdome. Exactly. That was the last time the Lions won a playoff game. I was there. Of course you were there. I was there. Do you have any quick memory of something that day that you remember? Yeah, what I remember is, and I don't think I don't know if anybody's ever used this or not, but but the Detroit Lions had planned, in case they needed it, to use Barry Sanders on kickoff returns. In other words, if they got into a tight squeeze there, let's say it's twenty eight twenty seven or getting the kickoff late in the game, they're gonna put Barry out to return kickoffs because he did a couple of them earlier in his career, and he was good at it. Well, he's good at everything. Was that the but, year that he did some kickoffs when Mel Gray was hurt, or, or I forgot who was I, the returner? Was that I, the same year? I think. I think it was earlier, Kenny, on that one. But whatever it was, that was the plan, and they never had to use it. So No, never did. Yeah, I remember a lot. Of, what I remember was just that they threw and threw and threw and threw the ball in the first half because it kept working. Yeah. And yeah, Dave Wanstead, the, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys at the time, was determined that Barry Sanders wasn't going to beat him, wasn't going to kill him. Well, he didn't, but everybody else did. So. Yeah. He never, he never, he didn't adjust to it until it was way too late. And Dave uh, Levy was the offensive coordinator for the Lions. He just kept throwing the ball. He went up to Barry and asked if he minded. And Barry says, "Keep throwing. Yeah, <laughs> it's working. Keep throwing." Yeah, I have a few memories of that game. One, I remember that. Well, this is a memory, but if the Lions would have played that next week in the Silverdome, they would have went to the Super Bowl. I'm convinced. I don't care if they were playing the Redskins. The Redskins were great and beat them 40-something earlier in that season or not. If they would have had that game at home, they would have won. That's my first thought. Number two, a lot of people don't remember, Jerry Ball didn't play that game. He was hurt. Correct. He was out. And that was a big key to why the next week they just got pounded. But he was a big key to that defense. And they they didn't need it that week, but they needed it the next week. And him being out on that chop block, I think from the Jets earlier in the – Later in the back, season, yeah, yeah, yeah he Baxter. For him in the tu- he right. waited for him in the tunnel after the right. game. They had to be separated. Right. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing I remember I have of the game was loud as always. And I remember it was a muddy day outside because I had some lizard shoes on. I had to walk. They had different park. And I had to park. I had to walk across the street through this mud. I had to get to the game. And I remember Billy Sims and Tommy Hearns on the sideline. That's when you could post the sidelines with celebrities and Billy right. and Tommy Hearns were on the sideline. I remember that. And I remember Chris Berman talking about Billy Sims, Tommy Hearns on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. It was, it, was, it was a cool night. It really it was. It really was. Well, fast forward 30 years. If you would have told me that day that that was the last playoff victory you would have seen up to now, I would have bet anything in the house. No. Because that well, to me that was a team of the nineties. They were they were gonna be you know, them in Dallas were gonna be the teams that were gonna compete every year for that Super Bowl. Well, especially if you would have known that they were gonna have six more winning records in the next eight years and go to the playoffs five times. Yeah. Because they went in with ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety seven, and ninety nine, and then made had a, had a nine and seven record 
in 2000 and got beat on a field goal by the Bears on the last play of the game, knocked them out of the playoffs. Yeah. And even the two, two of those playoff games, Mike, the one in Green Bay, I think it was 14-12, to 12, and Herman Moore just yep. barely caught a ball at the end of the game out of bounds that would have won the game. And then the yep. Sterling Sharp game at the Silverdome, that was a winnable game. I mean, they were close to winning games, all those playoff games, but they just never pulled it off. Well, they had the 93 game one, and if it hadn't been for the interception in the end zone and a 101-yard return for a touchdown, that changed the game. The, the, uh, the Packers were done right there, and Mike Holmgren, their head coach, knew it. Knew it. They needed a big play somewhere to get it, and they got it. But if they don't get that, because the Lions are going in, no doubt about it, to, to even widen the lead. Oh yeah. But that that interception return for a touchdown changed everything. I think it, was, it took them from like up thirteen to down three or four, whatever the total was. I remember they were up when it happened, and they were down after it. But they did come back and take the lead again. But I'm just saying, you're right. They would that would have uh, probably put the nail in the coffin, and they could have just coasted the rest of the game out. You know, in that '91 season, now you know uh, Troy Aikman didn't start that game. Burline did, and Aikman played you know late in the game when it was over. But they had their stars out there. They really did. Yep. You know, with Michael Irvin and all those guys, Emmett Smith. Uh, the Lions just outplayed them. Outplayed them from start to finish. All right. Well, enough of memory lane. We'll hopefully one day be able to get back to next week, years from now, talking about the, who they're going to be in the playoffs or what seed they're going instead of um, what's going on. Mike, one thing I want to give yeah. before we talk about it, I don't even want to talk about the Seattle game. I just I, Let's just have a, a, a final thought on it. I'll give you a final thought, then you give your final thought, and then we can move on. I thought Rashard Penny rushed great in the first half. I don't know if they were sleeping or not. He didn't get that many yards in the second half, but they got 170 for the game. I thought that was atrocious from the Lions defensively. I thought that the quarterback was awful as usual. And I, like I said, uh, backup quarterback is the sixth most important position in the, on the field, and you failed again with this guy. And I also feel that I'll be glad when this season's over, this 17th game. Really, that should have been the end of the season. But I want to go and wonder what's – the injury report's going to look like now that the season is over. Did the 17th game really have more injuries as a on average than a 16-game season would? I want to see how these playoffs go, how many of these stars are injured, how many people are injured because of that extra game. And those are things I want to see. So if a player gets hurt like in the second playoff game, it's because they played 17 games? No, I'm not saying that. But if it's an abundance of injuries in these playoffs, more than normal, you can contri- you can attribute it to they probably played too much. They played an extra game. Well, we'll see. I'm not saying I don't know. We'll have to get the stats out. But I'm sure you'll be able to know by the end of this uh, playoff run if 17 games is just too much. It, it just comes a point sometime where it's just too much. Was it was it really – it was worth it monetarily to the league to add a 17th game. But in, in, in terms of fanfare and, and everything else going on in the league, did, does this game really mean anything? Sure it does. If you're playing, people watch it. Of course it does. No, it doesn't. I mean, I mean, you're not getting any different results than you would have in the 16 games. It's like NBA. They play 82 games. They could play 50 games. You know who the good teams are, the bad teams are, moving to the playoffs. The, the, you don't need 17 games to prove who your good and bad teams are in the NFL. It's just a money grab. So the Chargers are playing the Raiders. They're tied for the last spot and they're playing the 17th game. If they didn't have the game, where would they be? But you had 16 games to get there, so there was tiebreakers done. If you had to go to playoffs today, whichever team won the tiebreakers, it would be okay, Mike. It would be okay. It would be okay. First of all, why do you care? 
Because I just think that the sports are getting too saturated. These games become so meaningful and meaningless. Now, and I got another question for you: If Cooper Cup breaks Calvin Johnson's record this week, does he get an asterisk? He should. He should. I think he should. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Did you say the same when Eric Dixon broke OJ's record? Because uh, OJ played not, fourteen uh, games. Right. I know. Two thousand and two okay. yards. Yeah. Right. So did we get an asterisk then? You know what? I probably didn't even think about it. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. If somebody would have asked me about it back there 40 years ago, I might have thought about it. There's no asterisk. If you didn't give asterisks when you went from 14 to 16, there's no asterisk now. So if if he breaks the record next week. If, well, well he breaks the record. Cooper Cup came out and said it should be an asterisk because he's trying to clean, get himself clean with what's happening. I don't think he's going to break it anyway because he needs like 160 yards or something of that nature. He needs 100-plus yards to do it, and I just don't think he's going to do it anyway. But if he did, it's just that's the record now. I'm sorry. That's just the record. Well, his, if he, whether he breaks it or he doesn't break it, his quarterback better throw the ball to the Rams this week, not the 49ers, Okay. Get it out of his system now before the playoffs. If you want to be, uh, you know, the gunslinger, do it in these games here. And, and you know, people are dogging him. They've been dogging him all week. Stafford we're talking about, for those who don't know, he's had five turnovers in the last yeah. two weeks. But they're winning games. They won five in a row. So, you know, I, I, it's a little thing there. They may be, He may be doing bad things turning over, but they're winning, so you gotta you can't say anything until they lose. Yes, you can because you're doing it against the Jacksonville Jaguars one week. Doesn't matter. And the next week and the next week you're doing it Baltimore, Minnesota. The Ravens team that's completely completely de- depleted of, of quality players. They're playing a they're playing a quarterback who's an undrafted free agent, I believe. So then yes, yeah, you get away Yeah, Mike, but that's not why that game was close. That's not why that game was close. But but why not? It was a cross. The Rams went cross country to play at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's why that game was closed. If that game would have been played in, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon or they played in L.A., they would have won by 20 points. The, 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 the closeness to the game was because of when those why, when the West Coast teams you, travel can, to the East Coast, you always get closed games. Just, why can you not just accept the reality of what happened? You always have to draw up this. I accept this reality, but if, why, do we, why do we have to go and worry about how close a team won by? They got the victory. You go because into a foreign play, place, get your victory, and get out. Because, well, it's not a foreign place. It's still Baltimore's still in the United States. Some okay? say. I, Some I, say. I want, I want that clear. Some say. Right now, right this minute, <laughs> Chesapeake Bay, all of that stuff. <laughs> New England crabs. That's our England. Our New England. Look, you done got me off the subject, man. We 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 have we are we are You done got off the subject. I don't know why the Stafford thing even came up. I'm saving you from your. You go. Give me your impressions on the Seattle Detroit game. Then don't say sorry. I don't do impressions. I I picked the close. I thought it'd be twenty-seven, twenty-three, something like that. And the Detroit Lions. I wrote this in one of my columns this week for DetroitLions.com. They've always had a breaking point, and when they break, they break big. And they did it against against the uh, uh, against the Eagles. They did it against the uh, Bengals, and they did it again against against the Seattle Seahawks. When the team starts gets them down and starts to get on a roll, they have trouble stopping them because they don't match up in talent right now, and that's that's what happened. Well, they if, had a breaking point and it snapped. If you understood what was going on, you see they have a problem with birds and animals. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, that's as simple as it is, right there. You see, they have a problem. They, anytime they play a bird, they get they have problems, and they play an animal. You know what? I am so tempted <laughs> to call you Bird Green, but I'm too nice. Anyway, I'm just too nice. Uh, some things, you like I said, for a game that a team scored fifty points, I thought they were pretty much competitive in the game. I know it's, it's going to sound crazy because they lost by a bunch, but. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I thought that I thought it was a competitive game up till the till they um till uh Boyle threw that third interception. It was what, thirty eight twenty two, which is not it's not outlandish, but if you get that twenty nine then, twenty nine thirty eight, then you got a game. So I, I, it was an entertaining blowout. I, I just thought that was what it was. It was an entertaining blowout. Yeah, if you're a Seattle fan. Even for the Lions, look, I in all truthfulness, I'm not a tanker. But I yeah. For the season the Lions had, for them to come out less than the second pick or first pick it was a waste. To to play that bad or play that good and lose that many games and you don't get a prize at the end, I thought it was bad. Losing that game gave them the prize. They're in the top two. That's all I care about. That's why I say because you know I hate Green Bay for a passion. So I I, I want them to blow Green Bay off the, out, out, of, out of Detroit Sunday and beat them by 30. I hate Green Bay. So let's just get them out of there. Well, let's move away from Seattle for a minute to downtown Detroit. And I'll tell you one thing that I think could be a positive for the Detroit Lions at the end of this season. And do you know what that is? What's that? And I will tell you right now that if they beat somehow the Green Bay Packers on Sunday at, at Ford Field, that will mean that they closed out the season by winning their last three home games. Now, a three-game home game winning streak may not seem like a lot, but the Detroit Lions, who for the last three four years have had trouble Winning games at Ford Field, I think it means something. At least they protected their protected their their turf. Mike, we've been doing this seventeen weeks, and yeah. that is the wisest thing you said. That was really a point that you studied. Win at home. You thought about it. You made a cogent argument. So you must, you must be sick. You must be sick because I, you. I don't get this much out of you. I've been harping on you that. Must, you you must be sick. Cause I don't usually get this type of in-depth analysis from you. But the, the three, what was it, Kenny? Three and 13 the last two years combined? Yeah. I, I, they, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, I don't think. And the three games, I think, were won his first year. Or two of the three were won his first year. I think, I, he, think they, I think they were two and six and one and seven. Right, because they didn't win they any last year. Right, so, yeah, that. right. So, I agree with you. Uh, Mike, wow. I I I, I and agree. That's a great place to play. It's loud. It's it's a good stadium. I think it's too comfy, and I think I tell you what, I'm gonna say it again. No, I hope no, no. I hope Rob Wood hears this. Tear that plastic off around the damn brick. That made the stadium. It made it look good on TV. We don't need any lions uh, signage around the stadium. It looks like a damn soccer field. Tear that thing off and put the brick that what that came with the stadium back around. That made the stadium look great. That's all I'm gonna say. I just want to say one thing to Rod Wood. The comments made by Ken Brown are strictly his own. I think I told him. I think I've told him that before, personally. I just like it. Don't Mike? Don't you? Doesn't it look better with the brick? That was that was distinctive for the stadium. You know, honestly, it's been so long that I don't even miss it. I really don't. It's just been so long. All right. Well, it's there. But I'll tell you that stadium when it gets rocking, it rocks. It really does. Well. For a stadium that's going to be just over 20 years old now, not to yeah. have a playoff game in it is a shame. What do you mean they did have a playoff game? What game? The Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl, right. 
The Super Bowl doesn't count? I'm talking about a home playoff game for the Lions. For them not to have a home playoff game in 20 years of that stadium is a sin. And I hope they rectify that soon because, look, okay, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have kept you from winning the division. There were two times you had a chance to win the division you didn't win it. Take the division. No wild cards next year, whatever. Take the division. Get a home game for your fans. Well, I think it's going to take – well – if Aaron Rodgers leaves, it's it's on. If Aaron Rodgers leaves the division, it's on. It's anybody's anybody's ball game. If he goes, Devontae Adams goes with him. If Devontae stays and he goes, as long as Aaron Rodgers leaves, I don't care who he takes with him. But if he leaves, that evens the playing field because there's no great team you know, if you take him off of there. Years, for the last 30 years, the Green Bay Packers from 1992 through 2021 have had either – uh, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers is their starting quarterback. Now, is that a run or what? Right. Now, if you want to go back a few years before that, they had Bart Starr, who really was the biggest winner of them all. Right. He and won five championships in seven years. And for the people out there that say, well, you got to draft a quarterback in the top five or top ten or it's not going to count, you won't get a great one. Um, Brett Favre, second rounder. Aaron Rodgers, end of the first round. So you can right. – it's just a matter of finding the guy. It's not a matter yeah, of where he drafted. Hold on a second. But let's not just dump on Bart Starr, 17th round out of Alabama, okay? Well, we're not going back when it don't count. Round. Okay, Mike, back then – It doesn't count. They don't count back then. That scouting consisted of somebody calling somebody on the telegraph and saying what that guy looked like. We talked about since scouting when TV age and scouting. Well, somebody deserves credit, deserves credit for getting a Hall of Famer on the 17th round. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying. So I suppose that Tom Brady uh, looked at, what, 199? Oh, here we go. Okay. okay, how long are we going to use the Tom Brady thing? What year I'm was that? It. No, no, I'm saying everybody out there. Talk, the everybody, well, they got a Hall of Famer in the sixth round, Tom Brady. Okay, how many years well, ago you, was you that? Just, you just said that none of that matters. No, I'm saying. I'm writing the wrongs, which you have strewn across <laughs> the I, I'm just saying that a quarterback doesn't have to be a top five quarterback to end up oh, being great. Right. Now, Absolutely. I'm segueing that argument or that statement into the thing that now we all are worried about, the draft. Yes. I think I might end up having to use that second first-round pick or the first pick in the second round for a quarterback. You might have to use it. I think I think they should because okay. I don't want to come back with Tim Boyle, Corporal Boyle from the Goma Pile show as the uh, <laughs> as the backup. Okay, <laughs> all right. I don't want Corporal Boyle on my squad. Who are the, okay? You know what? That's a show I never watched. You, you know, as soon as you said, as soon as I said it, you knew who it was, though. So you had no, to, you had to watch it once or twice. No, the Sergeant no. Carter and the Corporal was Corporal Boyle. That's a new one on me. <laughs> but anyway, I know everything. Yeah, well, I, I think get your next quarterback, and if at worst he pushes golf to play great. You know? I think this. I think this, Kenny. I'm, I'm dead serious. I know you're going to drop the phone on this one. I think Tim Boyle will be back next year as the backup. I really do. He should be back if he's coming back. He should be the third stringer. If I he think, comes I back, think, I, I think he has possibilities. I really do. Have you seen anything? Kenny, what do you think I do when I'm at games? No, I'm saying, have you seen anything out of him? Yes, I have. What? Yeah, what? What? See, what, see, what attribute have you seen out of him? I see him getting better. I see he's able to avoid the rush, and I think I think he's got a chance to be be a quality backup. Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. Yeah. 
We'll see. It'll be proven over time. It's not going to be proven in, within the span of this argument. You probably think Big Lots is quality shopping, don't you? It's not. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> when you talk about quality backup, yeah, this is a man that shops at Big Lots, uh, takes a tuxedo when he goes to shop at Big Lots. All right. You know what I, you know, you know what I like about it? When they leave Big Lots, I can use those bags as my suitcase when I'm traveling. <laughs> That's class, man. Well, here we go. Get on that plane carrying that big latch bag. Whoa, here we baby. go. I know it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm assuming that the Lions coaching staff will coach the senior bowl. We should give them a heads up on some of this talent. It does. Um, yeah, didn't it one does. year the Lions draft like two or three guys that were in the senior bowl or four guys? Okay. I, I remember yeah, some I some so. stat back then that they did. I forgot which which they they've been coaching the senior bowl so much. I think they got their own lockers now and then. This got to be if this happens, this got to be the fourth or fifth time. Cause Schwartz coached it once. I think um, for Marty sure Morning Patricia did. Morning we coached it once. I think every Lions – I think that's a prerequisite when you get the job for the Lions. Uh, you up for coaching the senior bowl because we're going to be that bad one year. I think the only one that didn't coach it was Caldwell. I think you have a clause in your contract that you have to finish <laughs> out of three at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit but, yeah, uh, but, uh, but Ben uh, – Ben, Dan Campbell made a – I just want to call him Ben. I don't know why. Dan, Dan Campbell made a, a good point about that, though. He said, yeah, it, it's great to do it because you get the familiarity with the players. He says, but the one thing you got to be careful of is don't don't fall in love. Don't get locked in on guys you see and when you get to the draft board and remember them and you remember them and you remember them and you end up taking guys who you really shouldn't take. Yeah, he's right about that. I'll tell you one thing. I'm looking at the Tennessee Titans who, if they win, are going to have the best record in the uh, AFC. Yeah. Um, I still go back to what Chris Billman said before the end of that season. He said he would pick him. He, the Lions should take him. This was his commentating. Right. And before Matt Patricia, he said, get him. And I know there were Ohio State ties and whatever, and maybe people thought that, but where are we today if the Lions took Vrabel instead of Patricia? Uh, that's a great point. I'm certainly they, they couldn't have been any worse off, I'll tell you that. Would he still be coaching? Vrabel? Yeah. I don't think he would have been fired. I don't think he would have. Uh, I don't. Oh, I don't think. I think that have been built. The team would have been built a different way. Yeah, I don't. Right? I, I don't think that. He, I think by now he would be into his whatever year of a contract still there. I don't think that. What he usually signed five year deals. I think he'd be on year four now. Second contract. Yeah, or his first contract. Contract, contract. The end of his first. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that he would have been fired. I just thought. I just think. He's a better coach. Yeah. He's a better coach. He's just, and that's some of the little mistakes you make that can, that nobody looks at. But looking back on history, Tennessee made the right choice because their their general manager and our general manager were both from New England. And they were both hired within the same time period, like a month apart. So they got the new GM the same time. The GMs went out and hired their coaches. You hired Patricia. They hired uh, Vrabel. So everything was pretty much equal up until that point. Yeah. So, well, I mean, look, Jim Campbell took over a decent roster. He really did. He went four, uh, four, uh, I'm sorry, eleven and five in his first uh, first year. Got down one seven. Got behind the you know the, behind the eight ball there. Who are you talking about? Came back, Jim Caldwell. Oh, Jim yeah. Caldwell. I thought you said Jim Campbell. Jim Caldwell. Okay. I, I might have said Campbell by mistake. Yeah, yeah Jim Caldwell. Yeah. I, when I start talking fast, I get confused. <laughs> Yeah, but Campbell. But anyway, yeah, yeah. But he came back and he had, he had winning records. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Well, um, 
They got this one game left, this one yeah. game that shouldn't be played against Green Bay that should have played last week. Season should be over. But that's Kim Brown talking. That's you know, I'm I'm sorry I wouldn't I don't want to gouge the no, public out of more money. The, you're certainly not the kind of guy to uh to uh harp on a point, you know that? Nah two points. Really, when you're talking about hold it, just one second, hang on. When you talk about gouging the public out of more money, there are just like there has been every year, there are twenty games. This year, three of them are preseason games, 17 are regular games. It used to be 16 and 4, so you're not gouging them out of more money. You're just, you're just making it a regular season game. No, that's not true. You are gouging them out of more money. Because oh. you weren't paying full price for the exhibition games the last couple of years. In some stadiums, you are, some you are. No, no, no stadiums. When they started, they cut down those preseason games. They start counting them, they start charging less. And then they would charge regular fees. So you're paying more for that one regular season game. Plus, it's odd that some teams get nine home games, some teams get eight. The Lions this year, which is good since they were going to be bad, got the eight home games. Because next year they'll get nine when they should be much better. Might help them out. So that's good for them. But we'll see how that works out. Now, one other thing I want to talk to you about before we get out of here. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines went down and got a, a, a good thrashing down oh, at the boy, uh, college football yeah. playoff game. Yeah, well, Georgia, look at I mean, when you got all these five star guys going there. I mean, you can beat them, but you got to play your utmost best, and they have to be off their game when you got the disparity of talent like you do. Right. But one thing I do want to say: um, Does your view of Adrian Hutchinson change any? No, not at all. Okay, that game has no impact on his draft status at all. Nothing. Okay, because some people are like uh, fled the bandwagon because he didn't dominate. No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, he didn't. He didn't dominate. No, but I don't think that was because he, he, of. He did. I, I know he didn't make the one really good play he made when they lined him up on the right side, chased the guy down and threw him out of bounds. Right. He just threw him. Right. You know. No, whatever he did in in at Michigan, as a you know before that game and anything he does after, he's got nothing to do. With his draft status, no. nothing. Unless you'd have gotten injured or something like that, and none of that happened. Right, but there are some things that um, I'm kind of upset with this draft. I don't see a, I don't even see a Sue in this draft, let alone. No, I don't either. I don't no, see I don't a quarterback know. like that would be like a Bradford. I just compare that year. I don't see a, you know, a top flight quarterback that usually guys at the top will take. No. I don't see. But there could be some – there are some interesting prospects that could develop into winning quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just they're not rated the best players in the draft. And like I said, Hutchinson and Thibodeau to me are not Sue. So there's no dominant – tell you, the closest thing to a Sue I've seen is that Georgia D tackle. That guy's huge, man. That Davis. Yeah. I mean, did you see him running sideline to sideline? He's like 350. I think right up until about the 10th pick in the draft this year, the 2021 NFL draft, those are really good players, really good prospects. Wide receivers and offensive linemen that the Lions got, a couple of defensive backs and, and the linebacker, uh, outside linebacker, defensive end, pass rusher, edge rusher, kid from uh, from Penn State, whatever you want, the position you want to call it. That's a tremendous football player. I don't see those kind of players in this year's draft. I really don't. Yeah, but it's early. I, I think mean, Thibodeau is one of those players. We'll see. Uh, yeah, you we'll know. see. Yeah, I we'll think see. Thibodeau yeah. – to me, Thibodeau is better than uh, the Penn State I kid so. that went to Dallas. I think he's a better player and a better person. I just think he's uh, – well, you, 
Come on, let's just talk about the Well, no, because you got to talk about the off-field stuff too, Mike. I'm sorry. Everybody wants to ignore that, but you can't, as we see with, with Antonio Brown. You can't ignore the off-field stuff too. So I just think he's what, a – What does Antonio Brown have to do with the guys you're talking about? I'm just saying when you have a uh, questionable character, it finds its way to the field. It you, you always think, does. You, you think Antonio Brown is questionable? <laughs> not anymore. The question's no, been answered. Well, the question's he, been answered, but I'm just saying. It's been answered time and time again. Right, again. but I'm just saying all those factors are going well, to play. Really, yeah, okay. So, those, that's, that, that, that's, uh, that's, that was a really good top 10 or 12 in that draft this year. It really was. No, this was a, one of the better day. draft years. I think the last two drafts really have been. You know what the weakness of the draft was? The quarterbacks. Way they played quarterbacks this year and last year the yeah. quarterbacks were the strong point of the top and of course the Lions had top ten picks in both years and and blew one but nah, you know I'm, who am I who am I to talk what do they Every, blow uh, Akuda just wait at least wait till he plays. even if he becomes a good player a good player he I don't see greatness in him cornerbacks at number three unless they're playing offense or running or the fastest guy on the field you just don't take. I'm, 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 I'm going to repeat this again. And when they judge these two cornerbacks this year, Stingley and the other kid, if they're not running four twos, four threes, just, you don't need them. Hold it a sec. Four twos, Kenny. I'm just saying, like Deion. No, no. Deion, Champ Bailey are the only four cornerbacks twos. I would take in the top five in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Those were guys, that, those were guys that played offense. Punts, kickoffs, defense—you could get your use out of them. Just a cornerback, a regular cornerback, yeah. even if he's a good cover guy, you can find those guys in the second round, third. Look at the, the undrafted guys the Lions found this year that were good corners. You can get them. You got to take difference makers in that top ten. Well, I'm glad you talked about Champ and and, and Dion. You talked about two guys who are 50 years old. Yeah, go ahead and take them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go Mike. ahead. Okay, Mike. All right, let's Sarcasm go. Sarcasm dripping okay. from every all right, all right. Keep taking cornerbacks in the top five and see where you end up. See they where you end keep up. Taking them. They took one. See like where you end up. What I'm talking about, there's like two corners that are in the mock drafts are being talked about as top ten picks. Go on, keep taking them. You think Denver? You think Denver now would would rather have taken the guy Dallas took than taking that corner? You know what? I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Because I don't know how else they're set up. Okay. Yeah. Keep talking. Like I said. Oh, you don't know either. Well, I'm gonna give Brad. I'm gonna give Brad. Brad his uh. Brad Holmes. I'm gonna give him his uh due because he had a good draft his last draft. So just like the Pistons, I give Troy Weaver his due, and I give Brad Holmes his due. So and I damn sure give Steve Eisenman his due. So um. We'll see. Yeah, that's right. I want to give I want to give the Pistons full credit for winning their seventh game of the year against the uh, uh, NBA champs, right? Heaven, against heavens, the NBA heavens, champs, right? Heavens knows, Kenny, that they might begin <laughs> the double figures by Groundhog Day against yeah. the NBA. Look, against the NBA champs. Don't don't poo poo that. Oh. All right, Mike, we got to go. Yeah, you've talked enough. Uh, you know what? You you made me grouchy. <laughs> well, next week we'll yeah. recap the season. We'll give some. Uh, we're not gonna give a grade out, but let's give out. Some MVPs next week: defensive MVP, offensive MVP, and special teams MVP. Can you can you think of that in a week? If I give you time if for have, right if, now, if can if can we get that week, together in a week? If I have a week to do anything, I can do it. All right. Well, you got a week to do that, and then we'll recap the season and talk about. Uh, we'll talk about the coaching staff too. We'll, we'll grade the coaching staff and see if anybody. I'm assuming by the time we do this, Anthony Lynn will still be there. 
But I, I got a feeling there's going to be a few coaches that are not going to be coming back, good and bad. Some, well, some of them might be promoted. There's always change. Well, usually the first year you don't get that much change. But there's always change. All right, well, we'll see. All right, Mike. You're, you're setting up this doomsday, doomsday scenario, and it hasn't happened yet. No, I haven't. But I heard uh, Brad, um, Dan Campbell say he's getting more comfortable play calling. I got a feeling he's going to keep that play calling. Uh, you know what? I think he has sort of a feel for it. I really do. He, You know what? I laughed at him when he first did it. I didn't think – I thought it was just trying to get the string right. out. But I will agree with you. He has gotten better. Now, I don't know – where he is on setting up the offense, how much he had to do with the actual plays and setup. But as a play caller, I've seen worse. I've seen worse. From what I, everything I understand, in, in a good way, he, he has his eyes on everything, including special teams. It's like Dave Pitt, the special teams, uh, Dave Fitt, the special teams coordinator, last week said that he, he looks in on the special teams meetings and he wants to be aggressive. I like that. I really do. Okay. Too many. You know, I've seen coaches who didn't care about special teams. Yeah, just go ahead, just kick it, punt it, and run it back. Don't bother me. Right. Well, the Detroit Lions have made it an asset and a weapon. All right, Michael here. That's it for this week from the Canyon Podcast. One more week of the season left. Uh, come back next week and enjoy it. It's going to be a big podcast next week. We're really going to get into it. Michael here has got a week to do his homework. I got a week to do my homework. Check Mike out on DetroitLions.com. Me, WGR Mitch Album Show uh, next Monday. We'll have T.J. Hawkinson on for his final recap of the year, and we'll see where we go. All right, Michael? All right, Ken Brown. I look forward to listening to that. All right, we're out.